the, the series of messages is called no one's, Stuff No One Says, and, and we're, we're looking at, at, at characters in the Bible, figures in the Bible, and kind of forming these statements. Uh, like last week, Cliff talked about the rich young ruler and how nobody, w- nobody actually says, you know what, I'd rather worship my money than worship Jesus, but yet we kind of do that sometimes. Like nobody says that, that like, I want to get my priorities so mixed up that, that I'm worshiping my stuff and, I'm, and, and my, my possessions and my money is more important to me than actually following God. Like nobody says that, but yet we do it. And so that's kind of the theme of this, uh, of this series. And, and the rich young ruler is kind of a tragic figure. And for the most part, we're looking at people who like, I guess they're negative examples. You, you look at their lives and you say, all right, this is something that you shouldn't do. This morning's kind of different though. We're going to look at a guy... Um, uh, in, in the Old Testament, who he, what, what, the, the stuff that he did was pretty incredible. The stuff that he did was, was pretty amazing. But yet, it, it's, uh, it, we, we just don't live that way all the time. And so if you have your Bibles, you can flip open, flip open to First Chronicles chapter 11. That's in the Old Testament. Uh, I'll give you time to find it. Just to give you a hint, if you're in the Old Testament, it's right before Second Chronicles. So uh, flip open. So there, that should help you out. If you need to use the table of contents, that's fine. And if you don't have a Bible, if you're here this morning and you say, I don't have a Bible, we've got some in the atrium. Grab one on the way out. That's yours. We want to give you that. That's, that's our gift to you. Um, don't, don't be afraid to take that. But let's, let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we're, we're in First Chronicles 11, so let's pray, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll jump into the Scripture. God, I thank you so much for this morning, and I thank you so much for your faithfulness to us, for the way that you... The way, the way that you love us so, so much. God, I, I ask that this morning that, that we would hear clearly from you and that we would um, focus our hearts and our minds uh, on what it is that you want us to take, the, what, what it is that you want us to hear from you this morning. Lord, I thank you so much, and I pray this all in your name. Amen. So First Chronicles chapter 11, we're going to read verses 22 through 25 here. It says, And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, that's a tough name, that's I, I, a these names in the Old Testament, how do you pronounce them? I think if you're from southern Israel, that's jo- Jehoiada, I don't know. But Je- Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Kebzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two heroes of Moab. He also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. And he struck down an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits tall. The Egyptian had in his hand a, a spear like a weaver's beam. But Benaiah went down to him with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, uh, and won a name beside the three mighty men. He was renowned among the thirty, but he did not attain to the three, and David set him over his bodyguard. All right, so Benaiah, unless you've read the Bible a few times and really paid attention, maybe you haven't heard of this guy. This is really a lesser known story in the Bible, but Benaiah was a valiant man. The Bible says he was a doer of great deeds. The stuff that he did was fairly incredible. Like, it's, for starters, he took on two heroes of Moab and, 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 and fought them two-on-one. It was like an old-school handicap match for those of you who, who grew up loving wrestling. I loved wrestling. Loved it. I, up until um, I, I felt like I had to stop watching it. Some people, they, they watch it on into their adult life. I couldn't do it anymore. But I, I, I loved wrestling as a kid. And, and these handicap matches where they, they, would, they would pit... Andre the Giant or, or the Big Show against like two guys, and it'd be two on one. And it, it always seemed like the, the one guy would always dominate the other two guys. That's because they, got, they picked two chumps. They picked the two guys who'd never won a wrestling match in their entire career 
to, to go off against these two guys. And so uh, this is an unfair fight, right? It's two on one. But he's not fighting chumps. Like, Benaiah's not up against two chumps from Moab. It says that they're two heroes. These aren't just, they just signed up for the army. They got drafted in. They gave them a sword that morning. These guys were battle-tested and battle-proven. And so it seems like an unfair fight. And I guess it kind of was because Benaiah killed them both. Benaiah was, he, he was a tough guy. So the next thing he does, is he, it says that he, he, went, he chased a, a lion down into a pit on a snowy day and he killed the lion. That, that's pretty crazy because lions are, you know, they're, they're, they're big cats. They're king of the jungle. We're talking 400 pounds of, of killing machine. Claws that are, you know, inch and a half or longer, razor sharp but with teeth and, and, and a bite that will crush you. All right, in, in a fight with a lion, we don't stand a chance. Even if you were like, all right, all right I'm going to run away from this lion, that lion's going to catch you. Lions run like at 35 miles an hour. Even if you're Usain Bolt, fastest man in the world, he tops out somewhere around like 25 miles an hour. He's, he's getting caught by this lion. Like these are born killers, born hunters. We don't stand a chance in a fight with a lion unless maybe you have a gun. And even then, I think you needed like a big gun. I don't know. I don't know much about guns. But I think that to take down a lion, you're going to need a pretty substantial gun. And so Beniah, he, he, he takes on this lion. Not only does he just go and he fight a lion, like if I were to, like in open field, that's pretty amazing, but he went down into a pit. This is probably the lion's home, right? Home court advantage goes to, goes to the lion. It's snowing that day. It's cold. It's wet. It's slick. He, he overcame all odds and, and took out this lion. And then the next thing, it says that he, he fought an Egyptian giant, says he's an Egyptian of great stature, uh, five cubits tall, which translates to about seven and a half feet. That's, this is a tall guy. It says that he carried a spear like a weaver's beam. The other person in the Bible who talks about carrying a spear like a weaver's beam was Goliath. So this is an imposing threat. Like, this is a scary guy. He's, he's seven and a half feet tall. Like, uh, have you ever stood next to somebody who's, who's, that, who's that tall? Uh, just the other day, I was at um, my in-laws house and LaRon Dendy who played basketball here he's like 6'9 I'm standing next to him like this you know he's only 6'9 I'm like I have to crane my neck to look at him and, and, and carry on a conversation if I were to fight him he would just be able to like you know how you do with your little brother whenever they're little and they're just like swinging you got your hand on his head because he can't do anything that's if, if somebody's seven and a half feet tall they're, they're able to do that they, they're I maybe I could use my speed and agility but ultimately that guy's going to crush me right let's and maybe that has nothing to do with the fact that I'm short, and that I, but more so to do with the fact that I, I'm a weenie. But anyway, um, it's good. It's good. But Naya, uh, he, he went against this giant with nothing more than a staff, and, and, he, and he's like, give me your spear. He killed him with it. This guy is crazy. He, he's, a, he's a warrior, all right? I don't think that he was just... I don't, I don't think that Benaiah was just some thrill seeker looking for uh, some adrenaline so he like chased a lion down. He's not some bloodthirsty soldier who's just looking to kill somebody. I don't even think like he was, like, found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time and here now he's got to fight two on one against these Moabite heroes. Benaiah fought for and he loved his king. We find out in the following verses... And in the rest of chapter 11, that, that David had, had a group of 30 men, his mighty men. And among the 30, there were three who were just like superheroes. They, they fought like armies by themselves and defeated them. They were like superheroes. Benaiah wasn't quite like the, the, the three superheroes, but he was still well-renowned among, 
among the other 30. In uh, so much so that, that David was like, hey, I need a bodyguard. Who can I find who, you know, if a lion attacks, could take out the lion? If a giant attacks, he could take out the giant. Like, Benaiah had, had the resume for, for bodyguard, a great resume for, for being like a king's bodyguard. The thing about Benaiah is not so much that he was looking for thrills or looking just to kill people. He loved his king. He was devoted to his king. He believed in his king so much that he'd put his life on the line for his king. And I think that as, as I read this story, I feel kind of this mix of emotion. It's like, uh, man, that's awesome. And I would love that, that, that bravery is inspiring. The way that he was, uh, he, he just put it all in the line. I, that, that, is, that is inspiring, and I'd love to be like that. And then on the other side, it's like, he fought a lion. Like, um, he, he, he was a brave warrior. He, he, it didn't matter if the odds were stacked against it. It didn't matter if it looked like he couldn't win. His bravery, I just, I don't know if I could get there. I think that in many ways... Beniah is the opposite of what we are. The Beniah, the, the way that he lived his life is kind of the opposite. He was willing to, to put his life on the line for his king. And I think that, we're, that, that we just don't do that. The series is stuff no one says. And so I think no one says, I want to put my life, I want to risk my life for God. No one says, I want to risk my life to do what God says. Like maybe we say something like, you know, I'd be, I'd, you know I might would be willing to, to, to risk my life if God really made it clear to me, if he was just like really like put me on a path and really made it completely obvious, maybe sent an angel to actually tell me, you need to, risk, you need to do this. I might would be willing to then. No, but there, there's a huge difference between I might would be willing to and, you know, I want to risk my life to do what God says. Truth is that here in America, as Christians, there's no real risk for us. Not, not any risk to our lives, at least. There, there, there's no real risk to our lives as, as Christians. Like uh, last week in the news, this kid in the upstate, um, for his graduation, he was the valedictorian, and he, he got up, and, they, they, and, he got up and, he, and he gave his speech, and at the end of his speech, he gave the Lord's Prayer. He did the Lord's Prayer. He did that because the school had changed the graduation and taken out the prayer, and replaced it with a moment of silence. And so this kid was standing up for, for his beliefs. And that's great. But people are talking about this kid like he's a hero. Like what he did was so incredibly bold, so inc- incredibly brave. And yeah, it was bold and it was brave, but what's the risk here? Like they might withhold his diploma? I don't know. He might get made fun of for it. And I guess he was, like I read the article online and in the comment section, there were people trashing him like crazy. So yeah, he, he faced that kind of risk. But where, is there any kind of risk to his life? I'm not saying that what he did was bad or what he did wasn't, wasn't great. And I think it was great. I think it was good. And, and, and it was bold. But maybe it's just not as bold or as great as people are making it out to be. Because there are places in the world where Christianity is illegal. There are places in this world where if you convert from, from, Christianity to, uh, from Islam to Christianity, from Hinduism to Christianity, from whatever the local religion is to Christianity, then you, you, face, you face being cast out by your family, being exiled from the community. You face possible death. 
Christianity here in America, and you can say what you want about how we're being persecuted, let's be real, in our community, like standing up for Christ, that, that's, that's um, it's praised. Standing up and, and identifying with Jesus, we get pumped about that. Uh, last week we had a baptism service. Every time somebody was dunked under the water and raised back up, we clapped and we cheered because that was awesome. They're saying, I belong to Jesus. And so we're pumped about that and we, we, we get excited about that. Whenever it comes to uh, America and, and standing up for Christ, there's not much risk to our lives. Christians get defensive whenever we kind of start talking about that. Say, well, you know, I'd be willing to. I, we, we live in the Bible Belt, though, so, but there's just, so there's just not a lot of risk to my life. I'd be willing to risk my life, but we don't ever do it. We, we, we don't ever actually step out there and, and into these places where there is a risk to our life. And if we could avoid it, we, we probably would. I, I realize that, that I'm talking about risking your life to do what God says. And that, that honestly, there's just, in America, there's just not a lot of risk to, 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 to our lives. Um, but there, there are stories of, of men and women, people like Jim Elliott, who, who was a missionary uh, to, to Ecuador, to a tribe of Indians in Ecuador. And he had kind of made contact with, with these people via plane, kind of flying over. But the day that he actually met these Indians, this tribe of Indians, who was known as being hostile, they were known for, for being ruthless, uh, the, the day that he met them, they killed him. Right? Now that, 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 that that's, sounds terrible. There are countless stories of Christian missionaries across the world sharing the, sharing the truth of the gospel and being killed for it. Stephen, in the Bible, he was killed for standing up and saying, hey, Jesus is God. The disciples, each and every one of them, killed for their faith. And I think that sometimes we look at, at, these, at these stories of these martyrs and we think, well, that's, that's the exception. That's the extreme example. You know, that's really tragic and sad what happened to them. And... And I don't think that Jim Elliott, who went to Ecuador and was killed by these people who he was going to reach, I don't think that he would have ever said that that was tragic or felt like he was the exception to the rule. One of Jim Elliott's most famous quotes, and uh, it says, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he's really, he's a... He's riffing on what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, verse uh, 34 and 35. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he asked them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. Jesus, Jesus call on our life. So take up your cross. Follow me. He said, don't hold on to life too tightly. You don't know whenever it's going to be taken from you. Don't hold on to life too tightly. You might walk out of here, get in your car, and have a wreck on the way home. You might walk out of here with blue skies and get struck by lightning because God's that big. You might have a heart attack right now. Don't hold on to life too, too tightly. Jesus says, 
Instead, what we need to do is we need to give it up. We need to lay our life down. You know, we use the terminology, we say things like, uh, whenever I gave my life to Christ. Or we, we, we think that, that lost people need to give their lives to Christ. What would it look like if we really gave our lives to Christ? Not just our Sunday morning. Not just so that we could put a fish on our car or so that we could listen to Christian music on the radio or so that we can say to people, I'm going to heaven one day. What if we really gave Him our life? Or maybe you'd do some more missions. Maybe you'd get involved on the mission field. Like we got a team of people going to Haiti next March. And Haiti's not communist China, but it's also not Bible Belt South Carolina. There's a level of risk in going to that place, right? Maybe, maybe if you gave, if, if you were going to give your whole life to Christ, and every, maybe, maybe you'd go, um, we, have, we have a group of teenagers going to, to World Changers, and next Saturday we're leaving. We're going to Savannah, Georgia. And we're going to keep them as safe as we can. But there's a level of risk in going into the neighborhoods that we go into, with sharing the gospel, you just never know. Being obedient to Christ, like there's a level of risk in there. Maybe, maybe that means, um, maybe if, if you thought about it, you're like, yeah, yeah, I need to, I need, I need to give him my, my whole life. I need to be obedient in that. Maybe that means that you, that you pick up and move somewhere in the world where, where Christianity is not so accepted so that you can, you can take them the gospel. Maybe that means you take, you, you, you take your family somewhere else in the United States. Maybe that means that you, you take your family to a different part of Greer. Maybe, maybe with a little bit of different demographics. Are you willing to risk your life to follow God? Are you willing to risk your life? Now, see, we believe in heaven, right? And we believe that heaven's going to be great. We, we believe it's going to be way better than life on earth. We just don't want to find out if that's true. A lot of times I think that's our mentality. Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we believe that what, what, what Paul said, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And we believe that and we love that and we say that and we feel good about that. But then whenever we think about it, that he was really saying to live is a good thing because I get to share Christ with more people, but to die would be even better. And yet we hold on to life so tightly. No one says I want to risk my life to do what God said. No one says, I want to risk my life in order to follow Jesus. That, 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 that's a scary thing, risking life, risking your physical life. And, and that's a scary thing, but it's not something that we come up against a whole lot in America. What, what we face, and maybe it's even scarier to us as Americans, is we might have to risk our lifestyle in order to do what God says. And I think maybe even more than people saying, I, I don't want... More than no one saying, I, I, I want to risk my life for Christ, um, I think no one says, I want to risk my lifestyle for God. No one says, I want to risk my, my lifestyle, my well-being. Jesus came up, with, came up against this uh, in a lot in his day. The, the story of the rich young, young ruler that we looked at last week. Jesus said, sell everything that you have and follow me. Sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. And, he, and it says that he walked away sad that day because he had a lot. 
in, in Luke chapter 9, verse 57 and 58, it says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus knew what was going on in this guy's life. He knew what, what he was thinking. He knew what he was dealing with. And so whenever he's like, hey, Jesus, I'll go with you wherever you want. Jesus says, okay, well, here's a little warning. I'm homeless. I can't offer you possessions. I don't drive the nice donkey. If there's levels of donkeys. Like he, he's like, I've, I'm, I can give you nothing. All I can say is follow me. See, here in America... We, we, we are praised. People look up to us whenever we live a certain way, whenever we attain a certain lifestyle. And if you can't get to that certain level of lifestyle, if you can't afford that, you can at least finance it and, and, and pretend to live that lifestyle. Here in America, what we want to do is we want to get a nice home in a nice neighborhood so that our nice family can go to nice schools. We want to get nice cars and, and, and have nice clothes and have nice stuff so that people look at us and think that we have everything together and think that everything's nice in our life. But here's the thing is that Jesus never called us to the American dream. Jesus' call in our life was never to, 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 to wealth or to power or to success. His call on our life has nothing to do with our comfort. Jesus' call to us was simple, and He said, follow me. And so, this morning, I, I, just, I want to break this down just, just, just a little bit. Um, may, maybe get practical with you for a second. Uh, how, how, do we, how do we follow Christ? The first thing I think that we need to do is, is through obedience. We need to be obedient to Christ. And I'm not talking about looking for rules to follow in the Bible. I'm talking about listening to Jesus on a personal level and then doing what He says. Personal obedience to Jesus. What is He telling you to do? And, and just being real, personal obedience to Christ may be hazardous to your reputation. Like maybe Jesus is telling you, that, that you need to be more generous. That you've got money. Maybe you don't have money. You just need to be more generous. That might, that might be risky for your reputation. That might be risky for your lifestyle. If you're going to give more money away, then maybe you, maybe you can't afford the membership at the country club. If you're going to give more money away, maybe, maybe you can't afford to have some of the things that, 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 that you love. It might, it might be risky to your lifestyle. But if Jesus wants you to be more obedient, uh, be more generous, it's important that we're obedient to Him. Maybe, and I, I'm a youth pastor, so like I, I feel like I need to take a side and speak to teenagers. Maybe, teenagers, you, you need to listen to God. You need to listen to Jesus whenever He says that you don't need to be going to those places that you're going to. Those parties on the weekends hanging out with, with that group of people. And just a side note, like Jesus, yeah, he hung out with the worst of the worst. He hung out with prostitutes and tax collectors. But Jesus was God and, and we're not. And so unless you're walking with him daily, maybe you don't need to be the one who's reaching out to, that, to, to, that, to the worst of the worst. Because uh, bad company does corrupt good morals. 
But, but maybe, maybe Jesus is telling you, hey, don't go to those places. Maybe you shouldn't go to those places. And that, that, that's risky for your, for your reputation. That might, that might, your reputation might take a hit for that. I thought he was cool, but he's not. I thought she was one of us, but she's just not. And that's silly, but teenagers get so wrapped up in that. Maybe, maybe personal obedience is... is uh, I, I feel like in the South, especially. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But gossip, like, we love to gossip. We love just to talk about people, right? No amens on that one, right? But we, we love to talk about people. Maybe personal obedience is um, not only not engaging in that, but whenever you hear it, you step up and you stand up against it. Maybe you defend the person that's getting trashed. See, that you, you, that's, that's tough because the minute that you defend somebody and, and the, the hard time that they're going through and the struggles that they're going through, people think that you're, you went through the same thing. And I, did, I never was on drugs, but oh, what do you know? People want to, they, they, they just want to make themselves feel better. And so we, we risk our reputation. We, live, we, we risk our lifestyle whenever we stand up against those things. Um, number two, uh, because it's important that, that, we, that, that we be obedient to God, personal obedience. Not just looking for rules to follow, but listening to Jesus and then doing what he says. Number two, um, on following Christ, spreading the gospel. Jesus' mission to his disciples is go, therefore, make more disciples. Teach them everything that I've commanded you. Teach them, to, teach them everything that I've taught you. Baptize them. And Jesus says, you're my witnesses. You, you're my witnesses to, the, to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That, that mission that Jesus gave to his disciples is, is the mission that he gives to us. Like that, that, That's our that's our job, and you risk relationships whenever you start telling people who don't know Christ, who are far from Christ, whenever you start telling them about Jesus. Whenever you, whenever you tell, you, you risk people uh, thinking you're a weirdo, thinking that you're some kind of extremist, fundamentalist, whenever you stand up telling them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You risk being seen as arrogant and ignorant and narrow-minded and intolerant whenever you tell them that no one comes to the Father except through Him. There's a certain level of risk whenever we stand up and we point people to Christ and we show them that, that Jesus is the Son of God, that He is the only way to heaven. See, Jesus never called us to comfort he never called us to be, his, his purpose on coming to the earth was not so that we could sit in here and be happy and be comfortable in our church and, and be comfortable with our church people. He never called us to safety. He never, he never intended that we, never, that, that, that we would be too afraid to risk our life. That we'd be too afraid to risk our lifestyle. People like to put words in God's mouth and say that, you know, the safest place that you can be is in the will of God, and that's just not true. And maybe it's, maybe it's safe on the grand scheme of eternity, but was Stephen, who was stoned, was he in God's will? The disciple of Peter, who was crucified upside down, he was in God's will, I do believe. Jesus Christ 
in the will of God, walking, doing what the Father sent him here to do. He was crucified. So the, the will of God does not equal safety for us. And, and while God does not promise us safety in following him, what he does promise us is that he will never leave us or forsake us. That he will be with us always. That he loves us. That he's overcome the world. And he's got a plan for you. And he's got a plan for me. And his plan, it's better than your plan. It's better than my plan. We started today by talking about Benaiah and, and how he was willing to go against these two Moabite heroes. He fought against the lion. He fought against the giant. All for his king. All because he believed in this king. He loved this king. He trusted this king. He was loyal to this king. A man. King David was just a man. Would you risk it all for Jesus? The God of the universe? Put your life on the line in order to do what Jesus says? Put your lifestyle, like put it aside and say, I'm not worried about how people will perceive me. I'm not worried about how this is going to affect the way that I live my life. I'm going to do what Jesus says. I'm going to follow Him. What... What would, what would Freedom Fellowship look like if we started just to follow Christ? If we weren't afraid to, to risk our life, to risk our lifestyle in order, in order to do what He says? How would that change Greer, South Carolina? How would that change your, your own home? Benaiah put it all in line. Benaiah risked it all for Jesus. Or for his king. My challenge to you, my hope for you is that, that you would risk it, that you would risk everything to follow Christ. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for your word and for the examples that we have of people who uh, have gone before us risking their lives, risking their lifestyle, risking everything in order to, to, to follow you. God, that's, that's so big. That's so big for us to think about. We don't, really, we don't really get faced with that a lot. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to to just be so, so in love with you, so um, passionately like wanting to follow you that it doesn't matter. That things like uh, a threat against our life doesn't matter because we know that, that, that you're better. You're better than this life. Lord, I pray that, that, that you would help us to, um, to just pursue you over the things of this world to pursue you over the things that make us happy, really, God, just to pursue you above pursuing ourselves. Lord, I pray, I pray for boldness and for courage for, for each and every person in this room. Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. We pray this all in your name. Amen.